The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McCain. Join us at allaboutsunday.com. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host. Emmett Kennedy. And it's great to have your company as we look back on Goodwood 2022 in the company of the champion jockey, Oshin Murphy. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Morning, Emmett. Thanks very much for having us on. It was an exciting week. There's plenty to, to discuss. For sure. Starting with the El Cab Goodwood Cup, which goes to Kiprios. He was terrific in the Gold Cup. He was terrific here in what was a tremendous race as well. But for the third time in two Gold Cups and now a Goodwood Cup. Connections of Stradivarius would be frustrated because things did not exactly pan out for him, getting a bump from Trushan and then not getting a clear run at a key time as well. It was a terrific race though. Yeah, uh, I suppose you've got to hand it to Kiprios first. Um, He is very straightforward and he goes out there and makes use of himself and stays incredibly well. Uh, He's a tough horse that responds lots to pressure and it's incredible family. Um, Moigler family, he's, he's a full sibling to lots of really good horses. Uh, search for a song and I can't remember who else, but I, I just know that there's loads and loads of good horses in there. Um, he's obviously by Galileo and uh, he got out there and did his thing. I suppose Andre had a lovely pitch on Stradivarius, one off the rail. He kept it very simple throughout. I thought, here we go, kind of turn around that very sharp bend with five furlings to run. Uh, but Holly decided to move up around him. They went quite steady through the race. Uh, Trushan seemed to settle really nicely, but she decided to close uh, the gap on Andre and, and I suppose keep a racing line that would would make him wait for a gapper to go inside um, and she did that very well Andre had to go inside but unfortunately I think Fanny Norton on Mark Johnson horse kind of drifted out off, off his inside line and that impeded Stradivarius a little bit but at the end of the day uh, he was a little unlucky um, but you've got to hand it to the winner who, who makes his own luck My impression of the good, of the Gold Cup even Um, as I have to take another bit of caffeine there to get through the show, um, was uh, that if Stradivarius had gotten out in the Gold Cup, that Kiprios would have pulled out more. And you see that here. Um, Aidan O'Brien described him afterwards as being a very lazy horse who keeps a lot back for himself while also being a real professional in that if Ryan will ask him, he'll give you more. Um, And he's a very exciting horse and he's... Look, the, the aim will be for him to try and do what Yates did. There's a long, long way off that, but that's what they're going to try and do. And, and for that matter, what, what Stradivarius did in winning three. Um, but he's an exciting horse, and you can see how well he's he's taking these staying races too. Um, in terms of going for the Irish St. Ledger next time out, dropping back in distance, that's not going to be an issue for him either, you would think. 
Well, it's not often the strongest of fields. Uh, that is the bottom line. You know, he's beaten some really good horses, uh, horses with pace at Goodwood, and, and it's a speed track, and they went steady. So I'd imagine, you know, they'd make sure at the curry there was an even gallop, and, and Ryan made pen, plenty use of him again. He's hopefully going to be the standard bearer in the staying division for years to come. In terms of Stradivarius, there had been this kind of darkened air around him. It was almost like a, an inevitability that he was going to retire. And I couldn't quite get that idea at all. And actually, I, I said before the race, if he finishes second or third and runs a good race, hopefully they keep him going. Um, and, and that's what Bjorn Nielsen then says afterwards. That they don't want to go to Doncaster because they're saying the, the prize money is not. Quite frankly, Bjorn Nielsen said on ITV, the prize money is just not good enough. Uh, but Doncaster uh, will be out. York is very much in. Uh, and perhaps if he was to get a break and freshened up then for the, the Champions uh, Stairs race at Ascot on Champions Day, that may very well benefit him because he's probably been over the top for that race the last few years. Sure, sure. I mean, he's a horse that seems to uh, run very well fresh and they've obviously limited the amount of racing he's had over the last couple of years and hence you've seen such longevity. Um, I I haven't spoken to Bjorn uh, since Goodwood on, on Tuesday. I'd imagine they wouldn't like to miss any targets. You, you don't know how much time you have uh, with any horse, but particularly an eight-year-old stallion. Um, and... Uh, and I think they'd like to to try and you know go out on a high at some stage, and um, and yeah, York looks like the most obvious target next. And Pure Nielsen did make uh, a subtle comment, but uh, it was noticeable that Frankie has got on well with them at York and done well with them at York in the past, which would allude to Frankie being back on for for York. Has that now died down? Do you think that whole Frankie? Bjorn Nielsen, Stradivarius, John Gosden situation. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, it was all blown quite out of proportion by the media. Um, but at the same time, uh, it was quite obvious to everyone uh, that Bjorn felt uh, you know, he was very unlucky again um, in the Asco Gold Cup. So. Um, so it would be nice uh, to see Frankie back on the horse, and you know there's still some time uh, to to decide that. And I don't think Andrea did anything wrong on him, and um, you know you couldn't have asked for a better position through the race. Uh, you know Holly moving on Trushan um, may have cost her the race herself, um, and uh, I think that's you know. It, you must remember that um, that you can't really control uh, what's going to happen from behind you. So, so you know, anyone that says, "Oh, uh, Andrea could have done anything differently," um, well, he couldn't have foreseen that happening. And, and if he pulled out wide uh, into space from five out, I think he would have got into a battle too early, and that wouldn't have helped him either. So. Um, yeah, these are all things I, I, I've actually tried to process uh, a little bit since the race, you know. What did you make of that move from Trushan uh, and how that came about? Was was that a move that Holly deliberately was, was trying? Was she deciding to go at that particular point in the race? Or is it possible that she moved forward and the horse just went, oh, let's go? 
Uh, I actually think, you know, they went very steady and she was thinking, oh, that's probably my main rival there. Uh, I'd like to get him inside and then I can just sit and wait down the hill. But uh, it doesn't normally, even on a very relaxed horse, it doesn't often happen like that at Goodwood. Uh, if you pull out on any horse going downhill, you tend to light them up. And um, I think he just got a little bit more um, energised than she would have liked. And as a result, uh, from three down, she was engaged in a battle. And and, um, and in the end, you've got to hand it to the winner. I mean, he, he was under pressure a long way. And I don't think he was ever headed. And uh, yeah, he, he pulled out all the stops. Yeah, he's a very, very good horse. Um, how much of a factor, finally, was the ground for, for Trusha and, and finishing third? No, I don't think any, really. Uh, I think um, I think he's very good on slow ground, uh, but I think it's hard to win on a horse who races uh, quite generously when you when you say go, you know, early. Uh, most good horses have a top speed for about two furlongs. Um, and yeah, I mean, most horses, anyway, it doesn't matter how good they are, but their maximum speed is, is, um, is limited to a short space of time or over a short distance. And that's probably what happened. Listen, I've had some horrible takes on racing over the years, but it does just put into a new light the, uh, the content and stuff that was being written about, oh, Trushan has achieved more in winning the Northumberland Plate off top weight than had he won the Gold Cup. I mean, come on, it's the Gold yeah. Cup. Like, that doesn't, it doesn't fit like that. You can't just go, oh, he's won a handicap off top weight. That's extraordinary compared to winning a Group 1. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I think everyone's entitled to an opinion on handicaps and weights and everything, but uh, but class of horse is key. And um, and Andrew's horse was second to Trushan in the Northumberland plate. So he's very, very well bred, a Franco Arabian queen, um, but he's not uh, he's not an Asco Gold Cup horse. Um, so I think we we just have to remember that at times, you know. <clears throat> um, we can get carried away, spirit mixer. Um, you know, he's risen up from the ranks from rated in the 60s to, to where he is now, and that's very good training by Andrew. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's easy to lose sight of ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Um, in terms of the uh, relations to Kiprios, uh, Falcon 8, Free Eagle, um, Custom Cut, 600 grand Free Eagle yeah, Sa- by Hart Chaparral, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a horse high shepherd I was. Uh, and Sapphire, 300 grand in, in prize money. Emma Grace uh, for Drumwell was a, a decent horse as well. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of very nicely bred horses there. Um, Sandrine dropping back into Group 2 company for her... She, her last four starts have been in, in Group 1 company, and she takes uh, the Whirlpool Lennox Stakes, beating Kinross uh, and Pogo. Um, Pogo been in a real rich frame of form uh, and sacred... Seems as though she needs a, a good gap between her races, and if she doesn't get it, then she's just not capable of, of running as big a race. Uh, terrific for, for Andrew, and the seven furlongs looks ideal for her. 
Yeah, it's just really pleased she managed to get her head in front. Uh, I felt she ran incredibly well at Newmarket in what, what, what ended up being a very tactical race. I thought Dave gave her a really clever ride. Uh, Pogo is a tough nut to crack. He's a natural front runner with a lot of pace and he doesn't go down without a fight. And Dave just parked up close to him. And uh, she's a little bit keen in places, but he was in a really good spot. And uh, he got there you know, at the right time. He challenged his run really well. I thought Kinross did well to come from the back. It was a clever ride by Frankie. Uh, to sneak up the inside. The pace in, inevitably in these races, when they go not so fast, uh, or even when they go normal at Goodwood, there's always a, a chance that you'll get racing a little bit earlier than you should, uh, just the makeup of the track. And that's sort of what happened. Um, and that allowed Kinross to pick up some pieces late. Uh, I thought Sacred was a little bit out of her ground. Um, I don't think Tom could have done anything about it. She always settles in, uh, but she was last halfway and they didn't go quick enough for her to, to get involved. I thought she finished off fine. I mean, I don't know what William said, but uh, if he was to freshen her up, the Prix de la Forêt is you know, a couple of months away. It's, it's quite a long time. Um, so what target might she or mightn't she take in between now and then? Lucille was disappointing. Uh, he's obviously had a good few runs in quick succession, uh, he went to Ascot, Doville, and then Goodwood. Um, so perhaps that's the reason. But I expected him to be banged there, to be honest. Yeah, I did too. And um, you have to wonder what that means for the tenebrism form. But maybe it's just a case of this horse wasn't wasn't quite good enough on the day. Um, and uh, we shouldn't be bashing the Caribbean Tenebrism Forum, possibly uh, just yet. The first juvenile race of the week went to Marban, uh, beating the surprise Royal Ascot winner Holloway Boy under a typical, patient Jamie Spencer ride. Uh, it was a terrific performance from from both. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, again, they didn't go very quickly. Uh, I thought Danny Dudup timed his ride look really nicely on Carl Burke's horse, who I was so pleased to see back up the form. You know, at least he ran second and uh, and for Ulysses as well. Um, and, yeah, Spencer rode a waiting race on a horse who's improved, improved massively with each run. Uh, he came into the race with three stats, and it's good for really good for Charlie Fellows. Uh, this is an exciting two-year-old. Again, a son of Oasis dream. Uh, so same sire as Native Trail, a horse who you know didn't have any good colt for a couple of years, and and uh, he's been in the news a lot um, over the last two. So um, so yeah, I'm just really happy for him. It, you know, th- it's the sort of ride that um that uh, happens. I could you ride them to to run well, and you've got a bad draw, so you just take your medicine, and then you know you end up sometimes being able to pick up the pieces later on. And he's in the the national stakes and the Dewhurst, and it looks as though the national stakes is going to be his next target. Yeah, Charlie indicated that after the race. Now, um, I don't think there'll be any rush, any rush with him. Uh, he's not a small horse, and uh, I'd imagine uh, you know, they won't be under much pressure from Sheikh Ahmed. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see I'd like to see a, a recent. Um, update since the race and, and see what Charlie's 
uh, thoughts are now that the dust has settled, you know. Mm. Uh, he was putting the champagne stakes that morning, and that is going to be the target for Holloway Boy next uh, at Doncaster. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, and Baid uh, goes in at 6-1 to one on, uh, gets the better of modern games, and last year's winner, alcohol-free. In victory, he's beaten a Breeders' Cup and classic winner modern games, and of course, uh, alcohol-free's CV speaks for itself. Um all roads lead to the Jumont International now next and his first crack over 10 furlongs. On the basis of, of what you've seen from him, uh, how do you think he'll be suited by York and 10 furlongs? Uh, fine. <laughs> He's incredibly relaxed and uh, I genuinely feel like he'll be fine going 10 furlongs. I think there's no doubt he will stay. Uh, if anything, will bring out more improvement. And I'm really happy that People are reminding us of Frankel in the press. You know, there's he's got a similar path this year. A uh, very different type of horse. He isn't as exuberant. He doesn't win by as far. Uh, but he's unbeaten, unbeaten, and, and perhaps we'll know in a couple of months' time uh, if he's kept that record. If anything, I think he's more like his father. Uh, in that, and, and maybe that comparison should be clarified by me saying that I think it's the way Jim Crowley rides him is very similar to how McEnan rode See the Stars with a view to the next day each time because it, he's not burying horses. Like he was very good in the lock inch, and I just think Crowley is always looking to the next day with him. By all means, get the job done and win, but then have one eye on, on the Judmont uh, while taking the Sussex. Yeah, I, that's an interesting view, and I agree with it. Uh, and I, I think Jim is a very intelligent rider. Uh, he's obviously ridden enough good horses at this stage uh, to know, you know, how to manage one. And it's an awful shame that uh, the owner breeder, uh, His Highness Sheikh Hamdan, isn't there to see this horse win all these Group Ones. But um, Jim is someone I rate really highly, and. Uh, I think he's been outstanding on this horse because it comes with a lot of pressure, you know, and um, he's held it together very well. And and uh, we actually haven't even given it much thought, uh, I suppose, what, what it means to to get on a horse of this stature uh, every time he races. It has to be a lot of pressure. And look, jockeys thrive on pressure. Uh, I know that. But at the same time, we have seen it get to, to jockeys in the past and it, it doesn't seem to get to them at all because when you're going out into a contest, particularly at, at Goodwood and you're running a six to one on shot and Goodwood can be such uh, a frustrating track for, for jockeys um, in the way that particularly the way you have to bide your time and you can get boxed in. Uh, he's got the turn of foot that can get him out of trouble, but even the best horses can get beaten but this was this was minimum a fuss, and it it always looks easy for for Jim. Well, it probably isn't, but it always looks easy. Sure, sure. No, it, you're right. Uh, I suppose he he's ridden at this level uh, since for the last ten years or so, and uh, and uh, it's fantastic for him that a horse of this stature has has come along at any stage of his career, but particularly now he's got three kids that are mad into riding. Uh, they have lots of ponies at home. Um, and I suppose he, he'll appreciate it, you know. 
unless they decide to take in the Irish Champions Stakes as well, it's likely we're going to see him twice more. Yeah, I mean, it'd be lovely to see... Wouldn't it be brilliant to see him at Leopardstown? But uh, but I think it's unlikely, yeah, unfortunately. It it would be cracking if we can persuade William and Maureen and Sheikha Hissa to to bring him over. Um, He does look as though it's going to be extremely difficult to, to stop him. And if everything goes to plan, he should end his career unbeaten because while he's conquering everything in the miling division, I don't really see a whole lot in the 10 furlong division that can stop a horse of his caliber. No, I don't. Uh, I don't either. Uh, uh, unless something goes wrong, uh, he's he's indicated like he would stay in every race so far. And, uh, and yeah, he, you know, I think treasure every moment. He's, he's looked an unbelievable horse. He only made his debut uh, on the 7th of June last year. So he's done incredibly well to be ninth from nine uh, between now and then. I mean, he's he's had a busy schedule. He's an incredible racehorse and um, he was entitled to go and win that race, but it's now about just enjoying him and uh, hopefully that's what we can do. Uh, the Mulcombe Stakes goes to Trillium for Richard Hannon and Pat Dobbs beating the even money favourite Rocket Rodney. Um he overcame the, the drop in trip and a very steep rise in, in class to go and, and win, but looks like a, a horse who could potentially be a smart sprinter. Yeah, Dobbsy is a really good rider, and uh, I thought he was clever on this horse. Uh, kind of rode a, a waiting race. Um, you know, she was beaten at Goodwood first time over six, uh, then she bolted up at Newbury. She had a couple of targets, and it was interesting they decided to come back to five. Um, he he allowed the race to develop in front of him. Um, Wallbank was stuck out on a little bit of a limb just because of the draw. Uh, Eddie's boy kind of forced the pace. They obviously went very quick. I thought Rocket Rodney, you know, deserved to be even money. Uh, thought he's been really solid, but she was way too good, and she showed a, a little bit of a kick. Um, you know, the time was very fast. Uh, I don't think there was any any flukes about this performance. And um, it'll be interesting to see where they go after here. But you know, this, these people, Rockcliffe Stud, uh, wouldn't be afraid, perhaps, of the Breeders' Cup. And, and um, I, know I would like to see her going around the bend. It could be something they might target. I would love to see her in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. That would be uh, ideal. Uh, the pre-morning is being muted as the next race for her, and she's the third filly in six years to win the Mulcombe Stakes. Uh, and Oscula for George Bowie and, and William Buick lands a monster gamble. Um, put up by Ben at uh, 14 to 1, goes off uh, 100 to 30, and, and beats a horse around an absolute blinder for Jane Chapelheim and International Angel uh, at 66 to 1. This was a, a great piece of placing as well, because she'd only run on the Saturday, and then peels out and comes and wins the Whispering Angel Oak Tree Stakes. Yeah, I take my hat off to George Bowie. Uh, he's obviously having a super time of it. Uh, his confidence is really high, and it's always easy, easier to make decisions uh, when that's the case versus when you're having a losing streak. And uh, William gave her a super ride. You know, he he took he kind of rode a, a prominent waiting race, and uh, he was able to slip up 
that uh, cutaway and time his run to perfection. Um, I thought Jane Chapelheim's handling of the second international angel, angel has just been outstanding. Uh, she's progressed from being rated in the 60s uh, to to now being rated 103. And, um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, Jane's having an incredible last two seasons, um, but we should really take note of what she's done here. I mean, she went on a winning streak of, of six wins, uh, and then she ran disappointing a couple of times, but you know, this was a career best by a long way and to to get a, a placing in a Group 3 like this, and, and I think she'll be unlucky not to finish the season with a Group 1, um, will add a lot of residual value to this Dark Angel three. Big time. Um, how much of an impact did that cutaway have uh, throughout the week, and, and how is it something that you would like to see continued at Goodwood? I do. I, I like it. I think it provides, well, obviously, I don't think it, it provides fresh ground uh, in on the inside for for the rest of the week, uh, which is key. And in those big field handicaps, it's just nice to be able to ride a race where you feel comfortable in the early stages and uh, knowing that it's likely if you're still going well from two hours, you're going to get a run. Uh, Goodwood is famous for all the right reasons because it's beautiful, uh, but I can assure you it can be an absolute nightmare um, when you're on a, a streak of not being able to get any uh, room and being stuck in traffic, it, it, it's a it's a real headache approaching the trainer and owner after every race, saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, uh, I couldn't obviously couldn't get out." And you pull your britches up and go out there half an hour later, and the same thing happens again. Um, it's a terrible feeling, and uh, I've been been there and done it numerous times it'd be great to see it continue uh, the cutaway and it just makes the racing that little bit fairer as well because as betters it um, it was a nice addition to, to Goodwood and it may very well have resulted in um, it might have saved that stewards inquiry it, that stewards inquiry may never have, have come about uh, had, it, had it not been for uh, the, the Norwegian horse may not have been cut up at all uh, if that cutaway had been there on, on the Friday. So we'll see if they decide to, to keep it going. Sure. Hopefully they will. Uh, Pre de, de la Foret on Arc Weekend is Oscala's name and um, a terrific piece of placing from George Bowie. Uh, the third Group 1 of the week was the feature on the Thursday and it goes to Nashua who had been odds-on the night before drifted out alarmingly to 11-8 to eight and then got hammered in the betting before the off into 6-5 to five and gets the job done, uh, beating uh, another 40-1 to one shot, uh, this time Asteria. Um, everything went plainly for, for Holly Doyle, uh, plain and pure and simple. It was nice, uh, easy um, stuff towards the end. Not necessarily during it, though because it was almost resembling a handicap hurdle in the middle of the race, the way they were strung <laughs> out. But uh, she has come through to, to win very impressively in the end, does she? Yeah, no pace early. Uh, and then there was a little bit of a rush on. I know Kieran Schumach wouldn't have wanted to land in front, uh, but he wasn't uh, in a position really to just keep fighting. Uh, there was no natural front runner on paper. 
Uh, Tor Holly rode a clever race. Uh, you know, when they go slow like that at Goodwood, they often go, as we said 20 minutes ago, they often get racing too soon. And that's exactly what happened. And she was able to pick up the pieces. Complete opposite, obviously, to what happened in Shanti and the Prix de Diane, where she was upsides in front throughout. Uh, Nashua is a very good filly. I don't think there's much strength and depth to this race. Mm-hmm. I thought Lilac Road, uh, the daughter of Master Craftsman, got very, very hot down at the start. I mean, it was warm at Goodwood, but there's plenty of air down at that start. And, and uh, yeah, she was she was absolutely uh, sweating buckets. Um, and, yeah, apart from that, I, I think it was a pretty weak way, weak race. But um, Nashua got the job done very nicely on the line. And... Uh, you know, shame actually Ville de Grace, Ville de Grasse, uh, the La Havre filly wouldn't go in the stalls because uh, on form and everything, I think she could have been the first three and, and perhaps given Nashua something to think about. Um, but that wasn't the case. Um, Holly got the job done on this daughter, Franco. Fantastic to see her owner regularly at the races now, Ahmed Al Cigar. Fantastic because uh, he's clearly very enthusiastic. Uh, he's going to buy and breed more good horses, and you know, as part of anyone who has any vested interest in the bloodstock intri- um, industry, will be happy to see his face at the races. Yeah, hundred um, percent. He was making the point afterwards that it hasn't been a tough season for her, but that they don't want it to be, and uh, that her mm. next run will be on Arc Day in the Little uh, Opera, and then it's off to the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's a really good plan, and it gives her some time to get over the couple of runs she's had. Uh, and um, yeah, she's she's you know helping John and Thady Gosson along at the moment when they don't have a, a three-year-old cold star. You know, we have a new favorite for the Saint Ledger in the shape of New London, who was seemingly the Godolphin Derby horse until changing the guard buried him at Chester, um, and those two might rematch. Uh, at Doncaster, which could be fascinating, uh, was very, very strong in the betting, uh, and another winner on the week for William Buick. Yeah, I mean William just had a fantastic week. Uh, he didn't leave any winners behind him. Uh, he rode him incredibly well. They were obviously gutted that New London uh, didn't win at Chester, and uh, he, I think he got cut out by the track. I think he got a little bit lost, and perhaps he just was not his best anyway. But I think when him and Changing the Guard see each other again, uh, there might be a slightly different result. Mm. It was clever bit of training by Charlie Appleby uh, to exploit New London's uh, handicap mark and, and going to win at Newmarket. And there was lots and lots of money for Mac Goodwood. You know, I respected Doville legend. Uh, I thought his win at Newmarket was, was pretty good and he's a tough, improving horse. Uh, Kuyama was obviously second in the derby. And he started six to one. So, I mean, New London must have been showing plenty at home. And, uh, and yeah, it makes sense now after destroying them that he would uh, be one of the favorites for the legend. Yeah, uh, I think he's the most likely winner. Um, there, was, there was this mindset that it was the distance that got him beaten at Chester. And I'd be more inclined to agree with you. I think that, it was a case of he was probably a little bit flat on the day and it was the track that cut him out uh, as well. Maybe a factor of both, uh, but definitely, yeah. I mean, we've seen horses get a little bit surprised by just how tight turning Chester is. These are young horses. Um, they're inexperienced horses 
And that, that's one of the things about Aidan O'Brien. He's able to work horses on the Chester track at Bally Doyle. So he can have his horses <laughs> like properly revved up uh, and experienced enough to be able to know, oh, we're going to have a sh- sharp turns. It's one of the reasons why they do so well when they go to America too, uh, because they're able to use that that's the tight turns um, of, of that gallop at Bally Doyle uh, and then... Um, see that that success then then come out whereas you know for all that charlie appleby has incredible facilities they don't quite have that and uh, and, and maybe that was was a, a bit of an impact um but but this is much more like it from him and i think it's he's going to be a, a fascinating horse going forward just in terms of, of who you 1.2 million he ended up being sold for um he is going to end his career or, or he'll be sent down to australia afterwards um St. Ledger is next for him. Uh, first time tongue tie. What do you think George Bowie would have made of the debut? I think they'd be really pleased with him. Uh, I don't think it's the perfect track for him. I think he raced nicely. You know, he's he's run a very solid race and uh, he would keep the enthusiasm of his new owners really, really high. And um, And yeah, I mean... On pedigree, I could never see him going a mile and a half, uh, but he's he's looked like he's stayed twice now, and so he's completely defied that. And uh, and yeah, whether he stays two miles in the Melbourne Cup, I'm, I'm unsure, but it's certainly worth a go. Uh, Royal Scotsman was a very impressive winner of a course and distance earlier in in the year, uh, that was back in May, and was very much the form horse going into the Richmond Stakes, having been third in the Coventry. He was the money horse as well, and um, he's got the job done and, and got it done quite well. Yeah, uh, very well. Um, you know, he, I've, I saw him work in probably March and April, and he was the best two-year-old at Paul Cole's yard. Uh, he's obviously a son of Glen Eagles, I thought he ran very well at Ascot. It was a shame his, he was drawn a little bit out on his own and he was quite keen early because I think he might have given Holly Doyle something to think about um, but take nothing away from the winner that day. He's a smashing horse. It's great to see Jim Hay, Dr. Jim Hay, uh, have a, a couple of winners at Glorious Goodwood. He's, he had two. Uh, it's one of his favourite meetings and he's a very good supporter of British racing. So uh, this is important. Yeah, they've pumped in an awful lot of money into horse racing too, so it is great to see them uh, having success. And obviously, we'll come to KDM in a second. Um, in fact, we'll go to him now. Why not? Let's move it up in the running order. Uh, so, uh, Ryan Moore on board for Charlie Hills. Uh, Charlie Hills, obviously synonymous with success in this race, uh, given Batash and uh, wins it for the fifth time with KDM uh, subbing in. Uh, the Batash is retired, and that was that in itself was a nice storyline. But KDM was. He was very, very good. Um, he didn't get to show what he was capable of in the Kingstown, but he was very much able to do so here. Fantastic ride by Ryan. Uh, I just thought he was he was perfect on him. Um, he kind of had a lovely position throughout in the middle of them. He had everything he wanted uh, around him, uh, pace-wise, and um, he got a perfect toe into it and timed his challenge. At the right time, uh, don't think it was the strongest of races. Uh, Lazuli has been disappointing of late. Uh, thought he was going to be very, very good when he won in Dubai. Um, 
but he's been disappointing and Russell has improved from handicaps um, look the, the first the one two are ex Shadwell horses um, Russell was 10,000 uh, so he was he was very well bought you could say um, and uh, yeah other than Ryan being fantastic um, I, I can't say too much for Kadeem you know he's a six year old gelding and uh, he do, he's not super consistent but he managed to put two runs together I don't know why he missed Ascot he was obviously good in the palace house when William rode him um, he perhaps he had some sort of an issue but uh, but yeah I thought Ryan was, was the storyline here The plan is the Nunthorpe but he needs to pass a Stoltz test before he can actually run again which is a bit tricky Okay well, yeah, they'll, I'm sure they'll use Gary Whitford and just get get it done. Um, I don't suspect they'll they'll mess around too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell, it didn't look like he was going to be even involved in the finish uh, at the halfway point, and then suddenly he manages to to rally and and stay on really well. Um, but he's done well to finish second, uh, given how the race panned out for him. But what do you what do you attribute him? seemingly lacking for pace early on because he had been very fast albeit this was a step up into Group 2 company Yeah I mean he didn't jump and run into the bridle he came from the back at Sandown uh, he came from the back before that at Haydock I think he's just always that I think he can make the step up uh, in grade uh, but he just has to get used to racing at this sort of level and um you know he's been very very busy this year. Uh, he's he hasn't missed too many beats, um, and uh, he's been placed impeccably well. He, you know, he started the season off at Musselburgh off ninety four, um, and then he won at Goodwood and second at York, and he's won his last two before being second again. And I suppose uh, the horse watchers have done really well with a similar type of horse before. Um, but for 10,000, uh, this was a, a shrewd purchase. It's ridiculous. And uh, well done to the Dixons. They're they're having an absolute uh, storming time of things as, as owners. And this fellow looks to be uh, an absolute steal again. Um, Rebels Romance having his sex, second start on the turf uh, goes in, beating Kamari yet again. Uh, last year's UE Derby winner um, was, was impressive. And... I, the more I see of him, the more I like him, Machine. Yeah, he's a big, beautiful horse. Loads of scope. Stands over a lot of ground. He's he's uh, practically black as well, um, which is rare. Uh, he's improving. I mean, he. Uh, I don't know where you really go next. I mean, I I, I didn't hear Charlie Appleby's interview afterwards, um, but. He just looks like he will he will stay uh, a little bit further, and whether they go a mile and a half or a little bit longer or uh, stick go up in distance will be interesting. But he has a lot of early pace as well. Uh, I remember seeing him win in Dubai. That probably wasn't the strongest of races, but um, he got out early, was at the back of the field, and managed to finish off. And uh, I think he's a horse on the improve. Yeah, I think it's the Irish St. Ledger trial is his next entry, but that's it. So that is the question, mm. where where do you go next? And that had been the target for a while, so 
we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, the Carl Golden Mile handicap goes to Oberon. Uh, a 1-2 for David O'Mara as well. Uh, but he was a very, very impressive winner. As um, And fair play to, to Ben for the data and the stats he gave us about the draw. Because as he WhatsApp me afterwards, stall two beats stall one. You got to love it. Uh, I <laughs> could not have worked out any better. And if you had the reverse forecast, well done you. Um, Oberon with Jason Watson and, and David O'Mara on board. Jason had been due to ride another horse and his agent rang him and said, no, I think you should ride this fella. Um, I'm sure the agent <laughs> got a nice bonus afterwards. Yeah, I think his agent is uh, one of the Dixons, um, Chris or Martin. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, they're, they're really shrewd form specialists. Um, I I don't know why they were so keen on the horse. Uh, you know, he's had plenty of racing. Um, this owner has horses uh, trained in Epsom with Simon Dow as well. Um, very very nice man. And I thought Jason gave him, you know, a super ride. He was fortunate that uh, things opened up. But um, you know when you decide to take a sit in a race like this, you need a little bit of luck and one by three and a quarter lengths. I'm, I'm unsure um, what happened on its previous stats this year. You know, it, it didn't look unlucky at Epsom or York or air the next time it ran well, maybe didn't get that much luck at Ascot last time um, in that heritage handicap. But uh yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't know why they fancied it, but there we go. They're, they're the experts. It obviously came down a lot in the weight since since Doncaster uh, 2021. It's come down from 102 to 86, but for good reason. Um, so, yeah, well done, lads. And another fellow who was turning out pretty quickly, having run uh, at Ascot on the Saturday, so uh, terrific stuff. Um, but I'm like yourself, I'm like, why were they so confident? Uh, but fair, yeah. fair play to them. Um, right, uh, a win for Zijamans, yeah? Uh, as Rakiani, with <laughs> Tom Marquand on board, and had to survive a steward's inquiry and is now appealing the, the three-day ban that he was handed uh, as he chopped up hotline bling, um, which yeah. was a, a messy situation, that one. Uh, what was your, your reading on that? Tom's normally a very clean, uh, clever rider, and... Um, I think uh, I think he probably felt like he was clear, and uh, there's a little bit of an angle into the right. Um, but uh, I think if there wasn't such uh, scrutiny and debate about interference at the moment, uh, he might have got two days or even accidental. Uh, it'll it will be very interesting to see uh, what happens on appeal. I haven't seen uh, the scout camera view, so that's the view from behind. And that might tell a little bit more. It looks bad um, from behind. Does it? Yeah. Tom Tom doesn't normally get suspensions. Um, so uh, it's an interesting one. Um, he would have been aware, obviously, of James on his right. Uh, but James, I take nothing away from the Wizard of, of Eye. Uh, he wasn't one of the favourites. Um, so I don't think Tom would have seen him as a massive danger. I don't think he would have angled in. Um to try and try and cut him up, um, you know. I think the best horses uh, started kind of either in his view or from behind him, on, and we're going to challenge on his outside. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. For, for me, he gave the horse a very uh, straightforward, uncomplicated ride. 
I love to see international winners. It encourages more international runners and it adds a whole dimension, you know, to the racing enthusiasts who mightn't have been watching uh, Doris Goodwood uh, residing in Germany uh, would have, would have, you know, tuned in to watch this horse race and, uh, and it just helps the whole thing along. So uh, I thought it was a very good result. Yeah, I agree. And the point about Tom Marquand is, is a well-made one too. He's not, he's not that kind of rider. And um, yeah, it would be a little. It would be a bit of a stretch to suggest that that he did that in, intentionally, um, and also good luck trying to prove intent. Uh, if, if it comes to it, um, and, and when it comes to it, when he appeals, do you think he'll be able to get this rescinded? Because the the statistics for appeals are they're quite stark. Was it eighty percent success rate or over eighty percent success rate? Yeah, I mean the PGA don't allow you to appeal uh, unless they, unless Rory McNeese, uh, who normally acts on your behalf, feels like uh, you will get it overturned. They've made a made the incorrect decision, uh, so they don't appeal anything that there's any doubt. Um, that that is the key. Mm. Well, just because it looks bad doesn't mean that that it was, but it does it. That when you look at the behind uh, angle as opposed to the the front angle, behind makes it look worse. Um, but it, it, I not for a second do I think that Marquand in, intentionally was doing that. Um, uh, it was sure. intriguing to see the stewards' inquiry and the Norwegian trainer begin to speak and then have to be told, no, 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 you can't, you can't do that. Uh, that <laughs> made for <laughs> made for interesting viewing as well. Um, uh, Cela Rossa uh, gets into the winner's enclosure um, put up by Mark uh, she had drifted out uh, as the support came for Emily Dickinson um, she got going just a little bit too late uh, in the end but Cela Rossa was, was quite good here uh, in Group 2 company um, and uh, there was nothing of free wins calibre to be standing in her way this on this occasion and she's taken advantage of uh, of the race yeah, uh, a little bit disappointed for my aunt, um, who uh, who bred with her husband uh, the second, um, and uh, I'd have liked to see her hang on for a little bit longer. But Ooh. Urban Artists ran a ran a super race, um, and it was a very good bit of placing for Hubie Morrison to finish second in a Group Two uh, can only add to her to her value. Um, so, uh, so they were all thrilled. Uh, I think she kind of deserves. Celia Rossa deserved to win. Um, on what she's shown so far, uh, she's a lovely staying filly, and um, she's really taken it to another level. Um, you know, since last season, winning at Linkfield off ninety nine, I uh, thought she did nothing wrong at Haydock. And what was an interesting race again, uh, overshadowed by. Uh, interference and uh, and a Stewart's inquiry um, and uh, yeah top marks from the Haggis team they they continue to roll along at, at very high percentages that I, I didn't get to have your take on that actually that was one of the most bizarre and stupid um, bands that I've ever seen dished out like how Rob Havlan ends up getting the band that day uh, at Haydock was just it was mind blowing to me. Yeah, I mean, we we all uh, make um, 
you know, errors or view things differently at times. Uh, but um, but I I couldn't comprehend how how they felt like Rab um, was at fault. Uh, there was space for him to move into. Um, he moved into it, and then it was tightened up, and he had to. Uh, well, his, his the decision was made for him. Uh, he got shunted aggressively against the fence and had to stand up, stop riding. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know what the view, what the Stuarts uh, felt, or whether they were led by some of the uh, jockeys' um, views in in the inquiry. Um, but uh, it was a strange one. It was bonkers. It really was. Um, there must have been must have been twenty links between them with with about three furlongs or four furlongs still to go. Uh, it was such a, a strangely run race, but it was terrific uh, that Urban Artist kept going with such an aggressive ride and uh, brilliant from from Jason Watson uh, from his perspective. Um, and and Celia Rossa has has done well to win, given the fact that nothing else was really able to, to get into the race. Um, she's the the plan with her is to go for the Irish Saint Ledger next. Uh, I don't think she'd be able to lay a glove on on Kiprios, but um, no. why not go for a Group One? Yeah, uh, no, it, it, you know she obviously gets some of the allowances, and particularly at that distance, um, they're quite healthy. Uh, but um, but uh, I don't see her um, being quite good enough. Although maybe she she'd, she would only get the sex allowance because she's four. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he's achieved an awful lot more than her thus far. Yeah, hundred uh, yeah. percent. Um, all right, and the last race is a, a real simple one to to unpack. Uh, the Stewart's Cup, uh, Comanche Falls wins for Michael Dodds and Connor Beasley, uh, getting the better of Tab Deed and Regional, uh, who was a monster gamble. Ryan Moore and Ed Bethel uh, finishes third. Nineteen beats twenty eight beats twenty seven in terms of draw position, Oshin. Yeah, I mean, here we go. Um, welcome to Goodwood. Uh, it's just extraordinary. It's it's a lovely place to be winning. Um, but other than that, uh, I'm very happy to be a spectator. And um, there, so much goes wrong. And um, and as I alluded to earlier, it can be tiring apologising to owners and trainers for not getting luck. Um, Connor Beasley and Michael Dodds have formed a really good partnership, um, and uh, you know they continue to go where it comes. Other than that, um, these are exposed horses. Uh, Holly Doyle, who had a really good week, um, you know Tabdeed cost a few quid, one hundred and ten thousand. Um, he. He was being well placed by Archie Watson, and no doubt he'll be another one that uh, you know can fly the flag for him. But um, but these aren't races that get me too excited. Yeah, uh, first back-to-back winner for fifty-four years—that in itself is is an incredible achievement. Yeah, and on different ground as well. Uh, and at this age, he's five. He. he you know, had been up two pounds since his last victory. Uh, he's clearly not easy in the stalls. Um, unseated rider at Ascot last time, but these sprinters, they never put two races together. And one day they run bad and the next day they don't. And um, it's quite difficult to 
to uh, gauge them and get a form line. I'd like to mention Ed Bethel, um, who hasn't been training that long, but I think he's a name to look out for. Uh, he picked up regional for three and a half thousand. Um, and, uh, you know, he's picked up a little bit more prize money than that already. He hasn't won from yet, um, but I think it's only a matter of time, I hope. It's only a matter of time uh, before he does. Oh, no, sorry, he did. He won a Hayduck, um, but he hasn't won in quite a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, he he's done really well with all types of horses um, so far in his, in his short career. Yeah, 107,000 in, in prize money um, and, and a cast-off from the uh, Richard Fahey yard. Uh, not that it would have been Richard Fahey's choice, but... Um, to, to get rid of him and I'm sure Richard would have done very well with him had he managed to, to keep him but uh, terrific buy for, for Ed Bethel and uh, yeah there, there's a, a big race is going to come his way uh, at, at some point um, just finally Martin Dwyer who's been working with me a lot on, on TalkSport 2 um, there was a very nasty incident in, um, in the opening race on on Friday where uh Master Milner uh, ends up winning, but you see, um, as it Alec Voshanki uh, hit the deck on uh, so far so good, and Martin Dwyer was talking about how two jockeys fell mid race yesterday because saddles slipped. When, yeah. when are the BHA going to make it mandatory for every runner to wear a breast girth? There is no downside. Can you just explain what the breast girth is? Yeah, it's a it's a piece of equipment that goes uh, around the front of the horse's shoulders. Uh, it's mandatory in Hong Kong. Uh, I I can see his point. Um, at the same time, I don't like them. Uh, and because they're elasticated, uh, the saddle can get to a point where it can slip around anyway. Um, and uh, and I, I don't think we can completely remove that risk, but uh, it's certainly a help. Um, I I personally don't like them, um, and there's no good reason other than the fact that I think uh, it's not very aesthetic, uh, particularly those white ones. And um, secondly, uh, the saddle does move back uh, three or four inches, and the breast guard was on quite tight. Uh, it does restrict their shoulder, um, but then they are 500 kilo beasts um, in the most part, and it's elasticated, so it's not like it should stop them from winning and losing. But I've heard Martin say this before, and I respect his opinion. Uh, he, he probably has a valid point, you know. Who was your highlight of Goodwood 2022? Uh, no doubt, Baid. Um I thought... You know, the way the makeup of the race, he was never going to be able to win um, by 10 lengths because uh, there wasn't going to be pace pressure early and they weren't going to go quick enough that they were going to, you know, smash some times in the last couple of furlongs. But um, every time we see this horse on the track is is one to cherish. Yeah, it's hard not to say he's, he's the highlight because um, we're only going to see him twice more. Um, unless we can persuade Chikesa to make sure he comes over for the Irish Champions Stakes. Come on, come on, be fantastic. Um, 
but yeah, just two more runs to go, and he, he's been an absolute superstar. Uh, Oshin, pleasure as always. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, your insight is invaluable, and uh, we're looking forward to getting you back on the track, but but for now, getting to hear you on, on the final furlong, getting to, to talk about these uh, great races is absolutely terrific. Thank you very much, Ash. When are we going to see your show jumping next? Uh, maybe at the RDS. Um, I haven't really decided. There's a show in the city of London, in Chelsea, actually, uh, the same weekend. So um, I will go to one or the other. Whoever makes the best offer gets Oshin Murphy. <laughs> we'll negotiate it. We'll talk. We'll, we'll. And we'll take a little bit of the profit. I uh, know that's that's terrific. Um, and it's just when I saw the show jumping on telly during the week, it was let's ask Oshin now on the pod when he's when he's doing it next <laughs> time. Uh, but no, best of luck to you, mate. And uh, listen, great getting your insight today. Uh, thanks so much, Oshin Murphy, uh, champion jockey. We look forward to him back in the saddle. But for now, getting him on the final forum podcast is absolute gold. And thank you for listening. We'll review Goodwood, um, Galway, even if I can use my mouth words correctly, with Dennis O'Regan uh, in the next podcast. Till then, be safe, be well, God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com.